Well, it's All Saints Day. And uh, All Saints Day used to be a huge celebration all around the world. Today, maybe not so much. It's been overshadowed by things like Halloween. And uh, this year I read about a person in the United States who wanted to have the scariest lawn decorations that he could have. And so he went and made six foot high 3D letters that spelled out the word COVID. And he thought that was the scariest thing that he could put on his lawn. And of course, COVID has changed so many things in our culture. It's, um, it's meant that we have to not get together in larger groups. And it's also meant that we are not able to celebrate together the way we might like to. COVID is real, it's dangerous, and uh, we have to respect it. But we're coming together this morning to celebrate All Saints Day. So who is that that's a saint? Is it somebody who, you know, some archbishop somewhere has declared a saint? Or is it you? I think it's you. Here's something that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, to the church of Corinth, uh, to those who are sanctified by Jesus Christ and called to be saints. And that means that you're a saint, that I'm a saint, that anybody who's following God is a saint and called to be a part of that group of people who've been touched by God and who want to make a difference for God in the world. And on All Saints Day, we remember that. And we remember that you're also a child of God. And we had the reading this morning from 1 John that says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. So we're children of God, otherwise known as saints of God. And we, our lives have been touched by God. And on this All Saints Day, we remember other people who've been touched by God, who then helped to share the love of God with people around them. And we've had people who've died over this past COVID time, and we haven't been able to properly celebrate their lives the way we would like to. And I remember Al Petrie, who is a member of the church, who's uh, missed so deeply by his wife, Audrey, and all of the family. And we celebrate Al's life for the ways that he touched other people's lives and uh, made the love of God visible in our community. I also want to remember Bob Granger, who has been called home to be with the Lord. We remember his wife, Donna, who misses him so much, and, and children, uh, Liz and John and others. And we also just thank God for the ways that, that Bob influenced people's lives and made a difference. And also Alex Connolly, who died just recently. Um, he is so missed by his wife, uh, Lenora, and their daughter, Tara. and. Alex touched people's lives too. He was a saint of God, a child of God, and he tried to live in a way that touched other people's lives. You might remember other people too, and it doesn't have to be somebody who's already died. It could be your Sunday school teacher. It could be somebody who showed you love and help when you were needing that. All of these people are saints of God, and we remember them today. And so today in our prayer time, I hope that you'll find a, a way to say thank you to God for some of those people. And today we can celebrate how people were living out what Jesus told us to do, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And St. John gives us a glimpse of what that looks like. And this is from our reading that we had from Revelation. And this is this picture that John is given by God of what it's like in heaven with all of these people crowded around God's throne. And he says, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, 
from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the Lord and standing before the Lamb. And in that picture, this is a celebration of what all saints are doing. They're celebrating before God saying, you know, this was the greatest thing in our lives was being able to follow you. They're children of God. They're the saints who have the light of Christ within them. They have the love of God, the peace of God, the mercy of God in their lives, and it transforms them. What are these people like? That's what John asks his witnesses of this vision. And he said, they're the ones who've come through the great ordeal. And the great ordeal is partly just our lives. You know, life isn't easy. And sometimes you might think of it as a great ordeal that we go through. And it's difficult to understand how we're gonna get through some of the things that we have to get through. But with God at the center of our lives, we have hope. And Jesus came to show us the way to have that hope, to have the truth about what life is all about, to teach us how to understand the world and also how to live in this life, this great ordeal. There's a futuristic movie that I just love and it's called The Matrix. And it makes the point that without help, it's very difficult to understand the world the way it really is. And one of the main characters is Morpheus who tries to talk to this young guy, Theo, and help him understand all of this. And the two of them are sitting in this room in these big wing back chairs, there's a fireplace going in. Um, then they're talking about the difficulty that, of understanding the world, that it comes from being blinded by our culture. And Morpheus says, the matrix is everywhere. It's all around us even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window and where, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It's the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. And that's maybe another name for the matrix is also our culture and that our culture blinds us from the truth sometimes. And Jesus came so that we could know the truth. Jesus came that we might be set free from this culture that is giving us difficulty in understanding what the world is really like and what truth is about and what life is about. Jesus is the truth, not some kind of relativistic truth, but the truth, absolute truth. He came as a human being from God so that we might be able to see him, to hear him, to see God in action. He came to heal us even though our culture says we can heal ourselves. He came to save us, even though our culture says we don't need anybody to save us. He came so that we might understand what it means to be poor and what it means to be rich. And our culture tells us you will never have enough, so you always must try to gain more. The teachings that Jesus gave us are teachings that equip a small group of men and women to change the world in just a matter of a few years. They're principles of life, principles for a life worth living, the rules for success on planet Earth. Have you studied them? Do you know what they are? Are you practicing these rules of life that Jesus gave us? Have you looked into what they might mean for your life? 
Today we're just going to look briefly at the very first one of these teachings called the Beatitudes from another thing. They're called the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we're just going to think about this one. So Jesus is, um, has a lot of people following him. And uh, he goes up on the mountainside and he sits down. His disciples come to be with him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we just want to think about what that means right now, because this is one of the key parts of this teaching. The Beatitudes aren't simple statements. They're exclamations. They're saying, wow, I've been blessed. And then you say, oh, how? And I say, because I'm so poor in spirit. And you would think, what planet are you from? Like here on earth, we think you're blessed when you're rich. But Jesus is trying to refocus how we understand all of that. Trying to refocus how to find out what's important, what needs to be at the center of your life. And that's what the Beatitudes are about, trying to teach us God's way of looking at things. Blessed, what does that mean? Well, um, it describes a joy that just wells up inside of you. You know, sometimes you might be out walking and see a beautiful mountain or something, and you think, man, that's the most amazing thing. And you, you just feel this joy, this lightness welling up inside of you. That's, that's what this word blessed is about. And it's just this joy which is completely independent of, every, of everything else. And then we want to think, well, so that word is put together with this idea of being poor. What about that word poor? What were they meaning when they said that? Poor is a word that the definition has changed over time. It began to just mean what you might think of as poor. Well, I don't have very much. You know, I, Joe is much richer than I, so I'm poor, he's rich. Then over time, it began to mean, well, I'm poor, so I don't have the power that Joe has, so I'm poor. And then finally, in the Hebrew or Aramaic understanding of this word poor, it began to mean a person who has nothing. They have so little that the only thing they can do is put their trust in God. And that concept is really important to this. Therefore, blessed are the poor in spirit means blessed is the person who's come to realize that without God, they're bankrupt. <laughs> they have nothing. Without this relationship with God, they're a lonely human being without hope. And it's when you start to realize that all these things that the world tells us makes us rich are nothing compared to the totally impoverished person who says, but I have God at the center of my life. And in our culture, many people may feel they're rich or at least comfortable, better off than many. We feel we're self-sufficient. We feel that we can handle anything that comes along. We don't need anybody else. We live in a consumer society that teaches us we can buy anything we need. And I mean, if you live in Canada, we are, we are very rich compared to many countries. Here's a word for us from God recorded in Revelation chapter 3. The speaker is Jesus, and he says, You say, I'm rich and well off. I have all I need. But you don't know how miserable and pitiful you are. 
you are poor and naked and blind. I advise you then to go and buy gold from me, pure gold, and then you will really be rich. The sooner each one of us comes to realize that we have nothing to offer God except ourselves and to have Him at the center of what we are, the sooner we'll see the world in a different way, the sooner we'll understand the real value, the real meaning, the real purpose in life. Trusting God for everything. You say, everything? Wait a minute. What, what do you mean? Trust God for everything you need. Trust God that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust God that if you come to Him and seek Him and His forgiveness, He will never reject you. Trust God that everything that you have in life is a gift from Him. Every breath you take, every move you make, it's a gift from God. On this All Saints Day, we recognize how poor we are until we accept Christ to the center of our lives. And we thank God for all of the saints that we've known, who've been a part of our lives, and we just rejoice in being His children. Amen. Let's just take a moment to pray. Dear God, we praise You and thank You that being in a relationship with You just brings us meaning and purpose and love and joy and peace and all of the things that really matter. Open our eyes and ears to truly see the world and to truly see You and help us to turn to You. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.